for the first time, Democratic voters sympathize more with Palestinians than with Israelis. Cracks are showing. I'm calling on the UK Prime Minister to boycott a visit by Netanyahu. Saudi Arabia refused to grant visas to Israeli delegation. Former Mossad director says the apartheid state is on the verge of collapse. Organization responsible for assassination, torture, blackmail is now very worried about judicial switch-up. Easier to grapple with just the judicial than the underlying sin of the creation of the occupation. Ahmed Manasra, one of the most gut-wrenching stories of Palestinian children trapped in a never-ending nightmare of mistreatment and torture by the occupation. And this is the judiciary they're trying to save. You are walking down the street on Apartheid Avenue and you've got a sign that says democracy. Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for decolonization, justice, and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada. If you went from we're indigenous to the Palestinians are lucky to have us as their occupiers. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. And if you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes and additional podcasts per week called the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. Should I do another Mikey Intifada? One that like leads into a story if you want. Okay, well then do that. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if you are a member of Mossad. Except for the one who said that the apartheid state is on the verge of collapse. Oh, tell me about that. That's that's a quote. Absolutely. Israel is on the verge of collapse, says former Mossad chief. Amir Pardo issues warning as first reading of proposed judicial reforms was passed. Former Mossad director... Tamir Pardo says the country is, quote, on the verge of collapse as the first reading of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's proposed judicial reforms were passed. Pardo, who led Mossad Israel's brutal secret intelligence force from 2011 to 2015, wrote on the Jerusalem Press Club website, quote, The current divisive leadership, on the contrary, which is struggling to tear us apart from within, brings this state to a verge of extinction, ignoring the fact that our options to halt are running short. One cannot know for certain if there is even still time to stop now before we fall off the cliff. So basically, this guy who is the former director of an organization that's responsible for murder, assassinations, torture, blackmail, theft, espionage, 
is now very worried about the collapse of a so-called democracy. He's like, our state is in trouble. And also, I am the problem. Like, <laughs> it's it's actually very emblematic of these settler demonstrations where they're like, yes. we're going to fix the occupation. And somebody has to be like, hey, bucko, you are the occupation. Yeah, they still didn't get the memo, though, because they're still out in the streets every week protesting, you know, trying to save their democracy without the slightest hint of irony. So funny that, like, they were good with home demolitions, murders, raids, you know, everything that Palestinians deal with daily. But the second they started to switch up the judicial they're like, well, that's too far for me, huh? That's a bridge too far. That's exactly like the video I saw earlier this week of former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmert criticizing the Netanyahu government and calling on the UK Prime Minister to boycott a visit by Netanyahu. It's so awkward. He comes out in this video and he's basically like Benjamin Netanyahu leads a government whose members support the pogroms which were committed against the Palestinian township of Hawara and the ministers in the cabinet of Netanyahu support the suppression of Palestinians and the denial of fundamental human rights to these people. And I'm like, Ehud Olmert is saying this? Like, what? What? What is going on? This is so weird. The cracks are showing. It's just like... Right? Their whole apartheid wall, whole apartheid state is crumbling and there's literally nothing they can do about it. Even their own are starting to recognize it. It's just a very strange place to be when you have people who were in a former position where they also were leading the apartheid state now looking and reflecting on the apartheid state being like, no, 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 these people don't represent our values these people are ashamed. This is what he said. He said, ashamed to the basic values of the people of Israel. And it's like, what exactly are those values? Let's talk about those values. Was there ever a time in the history of, the, of this state when it did not stand for the suppression of the rights of Palestinian people? I was talking to some comics last night, and they were talking about how the IDF held a event at a comedy club in Los Angeles. And this guy, this former IOF soldier, he got up on stage and he gave a speech, basically, where he was like, I fought in the battle of such and such. And the comic was like, I didn't remember exactly what it was, but I ended up looking it up later. And uh, turns out it was just a massacre. Also, for those who don't know, Ehud Olmert has had his own string of corruption, allegations, bribery investigations, also led a bunch of murder of Palestinians, directed policy that led to increased settlement growth in the occupied West Bank and the theft of Palestinian land. It's just so much hypocrisy on hypocrisy. Like he's the one now who's supposed to stand for things that are good all of a sudden. Well, it's twofold. Here's the thing, right? Some people may have a genuine change of heart, right? They may see like something that is actually too much for them. It triggers a consciousness. They're like, we got to stop it. That's good. Enlighten the consciousness of people who we can reach. That said, right, like I'm worried that there's a shift 
to co-opt anti-Zionism into like they realize they can't beat it. So they'll infiltrate it, which is what right. they do with everything. Right. Look, I, I, I don't, I don't infiltrate. Think, yeah, I, I don't think there's a risk of a Hudolmert going anti-Zionist. I mean, this is the guy who literally was prime minister during so-called Operation Castled and directed the murder of thousands of Palestinians. This is a guy who spent 27 months in prison for corruption and only was released in 2017 for good behavior. I think he's just happy to be back in the spotlight and, uh, you know, say something about his former adversary. Um, this has nothing to do with all of a sudden having sympathy for Palestinians, but it is. Like no, but I'm, say, I'm talking yeah. about, I've seen people who are Zionists yeah, now co-opting the language of anti-Zionism on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, because they recognize that it's actually futile to fight on the merits. <laughs> like they're gonna lose. And so they're infiltrating. You have agents of propaganda online infiltrating communities and using language in a way that like gives off an anti-Zionist vibe. But then they're like, actually, now that I've got your attention, I'd right. like to bring you to a timeshare. You know, like <laughs> uh, <laughs> a timeshare on stolen land. Come, we'll yes. talk about peace. Yeah. Retire in the Jordan Valley. Yeah. Isn't that in Jordan? <laughs> no, it's actually in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> but we can Wait, talk what? About, yeah. <laughs> it's called the Jordan Valley. Yeah, man. Ah, Jordan Valley, Schmortish Mount. You know what I mean? Like, did you see that they were actually repelled? The IOF was repelled recently by Lebanese military. Yes. There was a little confrontation at the border or whatever border they're claiming, you know, and the Lebanese military were like, dog, we will kill you. Get the fuck away from us. <laughs> <laughs> and then the IOF was like, sounds good. And they retreated. Yeah. More BDS wins. We'll give you the good news up top. <laughs> so you don't have Why to not? to the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have to wait till 50 minutes of murder talk to hear one good thing. <laughs> there was a report that the UAE has halted its military purchases from the occupation amid political turmoil. Here's a quote from a UAE leader who goes unnamed because if you get named in the UAE, then you're dead. As long as we can't be certain that Prime Minister Netanyahu has a government that he controls, we can't cooperate. So he did hit him with a double negative. In a separate report, public broadcaster Khan reveals Saudi Arabia's refusal to grant visas to Israeli delegation taking part in UN tourism conference. So it's nice for them to know what it's like to have your movement be restricted. UAE is freezing its purchase of military equipment from the occupation over Netanyahu's government's recent policies. What is the threshold where these governments were like, that's too much? Was it the judicial switch up? Was it was it that they were like, okay, now that this whole like sham system has already been running on a kangaroo court, rubber stamping the detention of children? These are the people who are like, now it's too much. Just because they were like, we're going to shift some paperwork around. 
Everyone's like, the judicial reform, the judicial. And it's like, why is that the scandalous thing? He he really is just shifting around the balance of power in an already apartheid state. And for whatever reason, that's what's making people go insane. And nobody's reacting to the fact that the underlying entity itself has always been an apartheid state. You know why? Because it's really easier to grapple with just the judicial switch up than the underlying sin of the creation of the occupation, right? It's so much easier to be like, oh, no, we only need to fix the judges, not every checkpoint and apartheid road. Yeah. And the very essence of this entity, which is a state founded on racial purity, right? Because that, I mean, if you start to 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 tackle that, then you are really in some sort of an existential questioning. And you and the only answer is that we cannot exist in this way. And I don't think that the people that are out there in the streets of Tel Aviv are ready to to grapple with that. They still think that the entity can be saved. And they still think that the entity can exist in a way that is compatible with human rights and progressive values. Boy, are they wrong, you know? Also, just the occupation is losing its foothold in the Levant in general, right? Saudi Arabia and Iran have made a deal to reestablish diplomatic ties and will be reopening embassies within the next two months. Kind of a, a power balance away from U.S. hegemony, right? Like yes. Saudi Arabia starting to work more with Iran that is a shift away from U.S. policy. All Saudi Arabia needs to do is be like, we're not going to trade in the U.S. dollar and everything that the U.S. empire has goes away immediately. Yeah, it is interesting, though, how a day ago, some analyst in Al Jazeera wrote that the U.S. has described the China-brokered normalization deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran as a, quote, good thing despite the message it may send about waning U.S. influence in the region. How could they yeah, not? Yeah, it's a like, good thing. It's yeah. a good thing. She didn't text me back. It's a good thing. That's what I right. wanted. That's exactly what this is. This is totally the U.S. trying to save face, not knowing what the hell else to say, because what can they say? This is a terrible thing for us. You know, they, they're not, they don't want to draw attention to the fact. This was bad for us, actually. <laughs> this hurt our feelings. Could you not cooperate? Did you see that weird video when... Joe Biden is asked his thoughts about this. Literally every time Joe Biden talks, it sounds like <laughs> banana pudding. <laughs> no, this is so worth it. Hold on. The man's brains are cottage cheese. <laughs> so a reporter asked Joe Biden, what are your thoughts on Saudi Arabia and Iran reestablishing diplomatic relations? And listen to what he says. He goes, the better the relationship between Israel and her Arab neighbors, the better for everybody. And it's like, that wasn't Is the question. Is he programmed? <laughs> Is he Hasbro programmed? That sounds like a Twitter response. <laughs> yes. You'd get from somebody with it's... no profile picture. Exactly. It's like he is a Zionist bot. Mm, Joe Biden, the Zionist bot. You know what that is? That's high-level media relations training. He's on a different level. He's not even letting you dictate the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking about Saudi Arabia? You're going to hear about the occupation. Yeah. The former editor for the Jewish Press, an Orthodox Jewish newspaper in New York City, was identified two years ago as a member of January 6th mob by Politico and was charged with two felonies for his actions 
storming the Capitol. You know how sometimes we're like, hey, why is that Nazi flag next to that Israeli flag? And also, is that the same guy? You know how I've made that joke before? Yes. Well, today, allow me to introduce you to Elliot Resnick, the guy who is that guy. He's drawn controversy before January 6th for incendiary and bigoted comments labeling African religions as primitive, suggesting white supremacy is fictional. He grabbed a uh, Capitol Police officer's arm while after the doors were breached, Resnick remained by the entrance and helped pull other rioters into the building at one of the earliest moments of the breach. The Jewish Press Editorial Board defended Resnick's presence at the Capitol, contending that he was there in a professional capacity to cover the events of the day. The Jewish Press does not see why Elliot's personal views on former President Trump should make him any different from the dozens of other journalists. Like, they were just like, why should his personal views about Trump warrant a story in Politico when there were other reporters there in an official capacity reporting? They basically just tried to say he was there reporting when apparently he was pulling up rioters from, like, <laughs> the terrace into the Capitol. Okay. He was like their Harriet Tubman. You know what I mean? He wasn't getting them away. He was bringing them. Yeah, yeah. He was. Ta- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like the opposite of what. He's the reverse Harriet Tubman. No, he was the same as Harriet Tubman. I'm a big history guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The occupation is continuing its killing spree in occupied Janine on Thursday, March 16th, the occupation murdered four Palestinians, including one child, during a surprise raid by undercover occupation forces in the occupied city of Janine, according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health. Aren't all raids a surprise? Yeah, I don't right? know. Do they, do, are like, we ever Nobody is like... I, it's, it's... They hear about them. They've got lookouts in Janine. So, you know, when they see the raid, that's like a quick warning. But otherwise, pretty much always seems like they'd be surprised. Yeah, poor writing. Uh, The four Palestinians killed in this attack were identified as Omar Hawadin, 16 years old, Nadal Khazem, 28 years old, Saleh Shreem, 29 years old, and Lo'ay Zaghair, 37-year-old father of two. In all of these raids lately where they sneak into the city acting as Palestinians, and then they just start murdering people in the street. In this case, they snuck into the city on board two civilian vehicles during the busy hours of the day before they assassinated four Palestinians at point blank range. It literally is just, we get into the center of the city and then we just start murdering and then they leave. And of course, absolutely no outcry. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody in the U.S. government is is horrified or outraged by these assassinations in broad daylight. Boy, are they shaken up by this judicial review. <laughs> this latest attack brings a number of Palestinians killed by the occupation since the beginning of this year to 88, including 16 children and an elderly woman. And in other horrific occupation news, Ahmed Manasra is complaining of very ill treatment and being housed in a rodent-infested Israeli prison. Earlier this week, he complained 
to the Prisoners Affairs Commission that he had been suffering from an acute stomachache for almost 50 days, and he was barred from receiving the canteen money that his family had sent him. He also added that he was served in insect-infested food and locked into a rat-infested cell. By the way, he's also been kept in solitary confinement for months upon months, and every few months, the occupation renews his solitary confinement. One of the most gut-wrenching stories of Palestinian children who have just been trapped in a never-ending nightmare of mistreatment and torture by the occupation that just continues to play out in front of the world. And he remains kidnapped. He was, he was kidnapped at the age of 13, in 2015 and now it's 2023 and he remains trapped in this system of israeli control and oppression and it's every time there's a story about him it's just absolutely gut-wrenching to see what is the latest and how they are torturing and mistreating him he should be at home with his family and he should be receiving deep medical care for the years of mistreatment, for the years of torture. And he's being not only deprived of medical treatment, but he continues to be tortured by the occupation. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Recently, a group of 36 psychologists appealed to the Israeli president to pardon Ahmed Manasra due to his mental health condition. Despite this, the Occupation judge ordered the extension of his solitary confinement for another six months. And so that's where he remains today. And this is the judiciary they're trying to save. Right. This is the pre-reform judiciary. This is the one where they're like, we can't lose this. It'll never make sense. None of it will ever make sense. They, they have to be so narrow-minded in their protests. I mean, it's crazy when you see them walking down the streets and marching and holding up their signs. Like, what What do these signs say? Like, save our democracy? What democracy? Like, just engage any of them in conversation about their weird signs. None of their signs are rooted in reality or fact. So I had to cross out death to Arabs on that same sign. So yeah, they're like, no, that was last week's protest. We're doing this now. We're doing yeah, save our we country. We painted over it. <laughs> they recycle. Okay. Just look at some of the signs that are being held. I just no, thank you. No, I just googled. <laughs> I just googled what some of these signs are. I'm looking at a Times of Israel article. Okay, one sign just says democracy. <laughs> look, a protester was quoted as saying, "We want democracy to continue." That's why I'm here. Another sign reads, we are not afraid. It's like Eminem lyric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that took you a little bit, huh? Was that <laughs> well, you know why? Because then I just remembered the song and then I just imagined yeah. the song as like the soundtrack. <laughs> for these okay. fucking artificial protests. You know what you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of like the um the first lady's initiative, you know? You know how the first lady always adopts a non-controversial issue to take on and that's like her activism because she never really gets involved. Oh in yeah, 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 I remember I remember Melania's was like, "Please stop hitting me." All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> hers was like anti. Hers was like no bullying, and it was like don't yeah. bully me, you know. And then um, what was the Obama one? It was Michelle Obama had like a garden. She had like a garden. Yeah, initiative. it was like get up and move in this garden, move. and like you know, like be healthy yeah. in this garden. It was like about moving and like healthy. Yeah. Okay, whatever. I'm pretty sure they they dropped a drone bomb to mulch the. <laughs> that's how they right. got they just they turned over the soil with a, right. a drone bomb pretty sure so that's what these artificial protests remind me of it's like you are walking down the street in you know uh, on apartheid avenue and you've got a sign that says democracy and you're just you're not in reality you know it's like sure everybody loves democracy who doesn't love democracy but like what is actually happening can we talk about it mm, you know who doesn't love democracy dictators and despots <laughs> They are like, we should actually stop that from happening. Yeah. And we'll start with the judicial system. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, JK, it started a long time ago, about 1948. This was a Electronic Intifada article. So the occupation is a country where people can be assured that they will not be persecuted or discriminated against because of what they believe or whom they love, said former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Even Michael Bloomberg is criticizing the occupation. It's like the Avengers of liberal nerds has appeared to criticize the occupation's judicial reform. He warns that Israel's shining democracy needs to be defended from legal reforms. It's actually not permitted to register a same-sex marriage inside the occupation. But it goes further than just same-sex marriage. The occupation doesn't even allow marriages between a man and a woman unless they are of the same religion. Mixed religious marriages are banned, and there's no option for civil marriage. Although, again, the occupation does recognize such marriages if they were performed in another country. In 2003, the occupation adopted a law prohibiting Israeli citizens who marry Palestinians from the occupied West Bank or Gaza Strip or nationals from several other regional states from living with their spouse in the occupation. And I mean, we obviously remember when they tried to pass a law where if you even fall in love with a Palestinian, you have to register with the state right? That's how fire Palestinians are at sex. They are like, we got to get the fucking state involved with this. We got to, <laughs> we got to get, we got to put the full apparatus down on these motherfuckers. <laughs> from the Zionist perspective, the laws not only prevent more Palestinians from coming inside of the occupation, but has the added benefit of forcing any of the 2 million Palestinians who have the Israeli citizenship or residency to leave the country if they want to marry and start a family with the person that they love. This extreme racist measure practiced against Palestinians for over 20 years would not have passed even in apartheid South Africa. Adala, a group that is mounting legal challenges to the law set after the Knesset renewed it again recently, early in March. This law is not just another one of the countless forms of discrimination against Palestinians by Israel. It is a violation of the most basic human rights and an invasion of the most intimate space of the family unit. Adala points out that even the South African Supreme Court struck down similar measures during apartheid. And I don't know if you saw this recently, but Professor Noam Chomsky said that he doesn't even call it apartheid because it's worse than apartheid. He said 
it's worse than apartheid in South Africa because the South African white settler population relied on the black population for labor, whereas the occupation here is just trying to murder this place and kick people out of the country. So he, he said, I mean, and he looks terrible. Uh, yeah. I love him so much. He said it's worse than apartheid. I don't even call right. it apartheid. He's right, though. He's right, though. We call, yeah. Look, and when we say it's an apartheid state, we're not saying it's only an apartheid state. We're saying that's one of its many features. I mean, if I wanted to describe how atrocious it was every time I'm referring to one of its actions, it would be a very long sentence, right? It, yeah, it it, it, it yeah. fills up a Tinder bio pretty quickly, right? right? So, yeah, for You're sure. You're like, ladies, he is over <laughs> six feet and an apartheid state. <laughs> so just just in the interest of brevity, sometimes we we only do we, 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 we just say apartheid because it's one of its many features that, you know, everybody now there's a growing consensus upon. But sure, from an academic perspective, if we're really intellectualizing it and getting into it, it's a hundred percent. We a hundred percent agree with Professor Noam Chomsky. It's just that I can't, in, yeah. in every mouthful, say it's an apartheid state driven by a settler colonial ideology that practices ethnic cleansing on an indigenous population, and you know, is really just a U.S. military base supporting Western interests in a resource rich region of the world and like you know what i mean like i can't say that every time yeah especially because you really <laughs> dropped off towards the end <laughs> i don't know that's what like it's you about. had me at the beginning but <laughs> but it, that's what it's about it's about resource by the control. end of that sentence i felt the way <laughs> noam chomsky looked <laughs> Stop. That's what it's about. mondo weiss reported on March 17th, that a Gallup poll has a recent Gallup poll shows that support for Palestinians continues to grow among Democratic voters, which is obvious. We know that that's happening. Uh, for the first time, Democratic voters sympathize more with Palestinians than with Israelis, according to Gallup's annual poll on U.S. attitudes towards the Middle East. 56% of Democrats view Israel favorably, but that's down from 63% in 2022. They are losing numbers every day. 49% said their sympathies are more with Palestinians. Palestinians and 38% said Israelis and 13% said neither, both, or no opinion. So for the first time, Palestinians are being viewed more favorably than Israelis in the annual Gallup poll. This is a testament to what years and years and years of organizing to show the reality of on the ground does. And it's only going to continue in this way because it's not like Israel's PR is getting better. It's actually getting worse. Truly. Every day it's getting worse. More and more unhinged every single day. When they log on, somebody should have like blocked their internet. You know what I mean? Just to give them a chance to like regroup because when they log on they are coming in hot they're like this child that we murdered but maybe didn't murder was a terrorist it's like dog it's 7 a.m you know what i mean like maybe have a pop tart you know what the best part about this is is that when they're summarizing the results of this poll they say that age was a notable factor in the polling israel retains solid support amongst older generations like is that a good thing are you is that what you're bragging about? Our fans are gonna die. <laughs> they are literally bragging about the fact that the elderly support them. And it's like, they are gone, bro. 
No, the fact that they're losing ground, it's actually a good thing. You know what I mean? It's actually, they put out a statement where they're like, it's a good thing for us. And uh, <laughs> we welcome, we welcome this loss in support. We weren't going to text you anyway. There's another thing which is happening right now, which is that a lot of Palestinians, I think, are wondering what's going to happen with these growing protests against Netanyahu and his proposed judicial reform. And there's a lot of fear, I think, that in order to quell these protests, Netanyahu is going to do what every Israeli leader, including himself, have done in the past, and that is start dropping bombs on Gaza to increase his poll numbers. The Netanyahu government has, according to Mondeweiss, externalized its ongoing crisis through its military campaign in the West Bank. So basically right now he's trying to drum up support by murdering Palestinians in occupied cities like Janine, in supporting these pogroms in Hawara, etc., but it hasn't been enough. So maybe he will need to take more drastic measures. And, and that is definitely something that a lot of people are concerned about. I am going... Did I tell you I'm going to speak at Yale? Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. It's so weird. It's tight. Right? Like... Yeah. Why? They literally contacted me and they were like, hey... Why? We they're like, hey, we are planning a women's mental health conference at Yale University. I got contacted by a PhD student there. She was like, I want yeah. you to talk about mental health in Gaza. I'm like, okay. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nobody's good. Like everyone is having a terrible time. People are struggling. Yeah. It'd be great yeah. if they lifted the siege. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's amazing how none of the protesters are like, lift the siege on Gaza, right? No, keep they're it like, going, we, people. Yeah, they're like, we want to fight for this democracy, which has been sieging Gaza for, you know, decades funny i mariam barhuti had an amazing tweet which i want to share about this she said what's happening with the protests in tel aviv right-wing settlers in tel aviv are running over and beating leftish wing settlers in tel aviv because they don't see eye to eye on how to settle and govern themselves in the settlements unsettling times you know everyone's in agreement on the on the foundational issue of we need to settle the question is how are we going to settle what words are we going to use to talk about settlement? Even Smotrick, when he came back and he was like, yeah, so I'm really sorry about my weirdo remarks. It's like, yeah, sorry that I, as a government official, didn't realize that my words would be taken literally and that the military apparatus would then act in a way that reflected the words of a government minister. Especially because couldn't imagine. Yeah, especially because that's what this country was founded on. What he said was he didn't realize his wipeout Hawada call would be seen as an order. Right. And we're supposed to believe that from a country that was literally founded on the physical wiping out of over 500 Palestinian cities and towns, expulsion of the majority of the Palestinian population. So when one of their ministers today says, keep doing the thing that we've been doing for the last over seven decades, and people call him out because they're like, hey, that's actually uncool. Oh, sorry, didn't realize that they were actually going to keep doing the thing that they've been doing since 1948. I wonder what he thought it would be taken as he didn't right say. if not <laughs> if not an order what would it be understood as i don't know and you know what else is weird he said that 
he apologized to the IOF and he also recognized that quote unquote soul searching was required on his part. Yeah. That's what they call murdering people in Janine. It is searching for souls and then they snatch them. <laughs> the public is willing to to accept a certain level of state sanctioned violence on a daily basis against Palestinians. A certain level of ethnic cleansing is allowed to appear in international headlines, you know, Palestinians having their houses stolen, their land burned, all, you know, there's just a certain amount of it which just sort of goes you know, unnoticed in in the news on a daily basis. But God forbid somebody actually come out and call on the IOF to keep going. Good job. Keep stealing land. Keep stealing houses. Keep murdering Palestinians. Well, all of a sudden, you know, it creates some sort of a bad PR situation. Just what's happening the entire time. And nobody is paying attention to this sort of ordinary amount of violence and aggression towards Palestinians. It's not different. It's just, you know, it has to be packaged in a certain way. It can't be so aggressive. It can't be so blatant. It can't be a full on genocidal cry. It can be just like genocide light and we're good with it. Do you remember that video where there was a girl who was like, I don't like to say may their villages burn. I just prefer I hope they leave. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the vibe of this where it's like he said burn their villages, you know, and then everybody in their PR machine was like, no, we only say that in Hebrew because <laughs> the Americans don't understand it. We say in uh, uh, English, we say two-state two solution. solution. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Folks, that has been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Check our full episodes and sources at www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com and look for us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That's been another episode of the pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. Just says may have come. Honestly, when AP News says may have come, <laughs> dog, like you got nothing. It's like definitely shut did not the fuck come. up. <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> may have come hit the group text she didn't come <laughs> she most certainly did not <laughs> uh... he's a scrub <laughs>